Hello and welcome to RPG PodQuest, the show that's not only about RPGs, but is an RPG. I'm today's host, Nick, and with me, Evan. Welcome again, Evan. I'm also today's host, believe it Excellent. or not. Excellent. Excellent. We will fight to the death and only one of us shall be the host by the end of it all. That's right. This will be very exciting. Unfortunately, Future will not be with us today, but I'm hoping he will be in the near future to report on his first ever quest. Nick, how are you? I'm good. You know, it's understandable. You take your first quest, you go off, you're a 10-year-old boy, you've been given a bag of monsters, you get lost. It happens. We can't expect every 10-year-old kid who gets given a monster to come back alive. Just letting you all know, Future is not actually a 10-year-old child. No, he's not. He's not 10. 10. That was a Pokemon reference, so we're okay. He's a grown-up. It was a Pokemon (laughs) reference, which I guess brings us right into news, right? Uh, So we are recording... Amazing segue. Exactly. Uh, We we are recording this on uh, March 4th, 5th, for some people. Yeah. which is just about a week out from the latest Pokemon Presents, uh, in which, uh, to many people's surprise, I'd like to think, uh, the next uh, pair of games in the mainline Pokemon series was announced. That is Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. Uh, Nick, any thoughts? Um, honestly, my immediate, so I'm, it, it was what, 1230 in the morning for me when this was airing, I, I'm watching it. I really thought we were getting a Detective Pikachu 2 trailer. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of upset that we didn't be it the movie or the game. And I, so I've watched a couple of like live reaction videos and not one person has also thought that. And I'm thinking, am I going mad to assume that a police officer strewing through paperwork in an abandoned house might be associated with a detective. Yeah, I gotta say that. <laughs> that introduction was bizarre. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand where it was. What I, uh, yeah, that was, it was great, but I don't understand it. It happened. Yeah. And then it was followed by two minutes of, is this just Arceus DLC? Yeah. <laughs> and then I think it didn't sink in until, you know, we get to, we'll get, come back to it, you get into the end of the trip where the, the user's sort of walking towards their house and then getting into the house. And I'm like, hang on, this is the future. This is not Arceus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so with that being said, I mean, initial reactions aside, any, mm. any thoughts about what how this is looking i I, you know what i will say is i i've heard a lot of people say that they think the art style of this game looks a lot like detective pikachu the game for 3ds so um some people were kind of misled by just the way that the like npcs looked so they do look a little bit more detailed than even what we saw in Arceus, which i kind of found surprising it doesn't really feel like it's in uh is it Ken Sumigori, uh, the the character designer? Doesn't feel like it's in his style all that much. It was odd for me. There were a few bits that, like I think the overworld and everything, still looked fairly basic, like Arceus. But you know, also that's probably the bit that they'll do up last. I mean, they don't have much time, but certainly the towns. I think they were vibrant. They did look nice, and you know, Pokemon's never one to have. A, a lot going on it's always got a fairly simplistic art style um which it kept 
And I mean, I've said before, I, I don't find it very appealing in the looks category these days. I think, it, <laughs> but you know, it's it's still it's another step forward, and I think that's somehow that's all we can hope for from the largest entertainment franchise in the world. Yeah. So. In marketing, uh, there's kind of been a hint at uh, the fact that this is going to be an open world game. And, yes, you know, yes. I, I wonder, I really do wonder, because they talk about this being open world, but accessible to, uh, you know, fans young and old, which makes me wonder, you know, how much of a guiding hand they're going to have in this mm. uh, in this open world i mean in some ways it makes me think you know for the individuals who need that guidance it'll be there but for those who kind of just want to go off and do their own thing they can do that as well i mean this kind of brings up a question uh you know to to me of what open world pokemon looks like because i mean they i, I would say mm. They, they haven't really instilled any confidence in me um, with Sword and Shield. And I would kind of even argue that Legends Arceus didn't really do a whole lot for me in terms of of open world either. I mean, they, they've marketed this. They're saying that, you know, towns and, and the wild are kind of going to seamlessly blend into one another. And yeah. you can kind of see that from some of the, the screenshots that one screenshot of what I'm assuming is the main city, just because it's got that big citadel in it with the Pokemon. Yeah, with, the, with, the, with the Pokemon center outside, or that that's the one you're talking about? Yeah. It, got, yeah. Uh, just that whole landscape gave me big, like, Dragon Quest-y vibes with, uh, with just the way that the, the mountain faces looked and, and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I, I feel about the prospect of this being open world. What it makes me hope is that the game's going to be non-linear in design. That's yes, that would be nice. Because I don't really like the idea of, and I think Arceus kind of proved this to me a little bit, um, I don't like the idea of being able to go anywhere you want in a Pokemon game. I just I don't think that it works in the same way that it works uh, with Breath of the Wild. Um, and if if it is going to be something that exists in this game, I think they really do need to tie it pretty stringently to your hidden machines or your, your poker ride uh, functionality. Yeah. Um, because like, I, I really think, you know, just to go back to the idea of linear routes, right. Uh, in, in contrast with kind of open fields and whatnot, you know, linear routes might, be limiting in some ways but they do give you like dedicated gameplay segments right where you have to maybe solve environmental puzzles they, they, they get to craft that experience so, right yeah. yeah exactly and a part of me kind of i think you should give I, I mean i think game freak used to do that rather well i i think they kind of fell off a little bit in like generation seven and eight i felt that yes, uh yeah. generation six's roots were actually pretty nice but you know maybe again that's just a, a little bit of bias coming in here so I, I don't know i think the the best way that i could see open world uh pokemon kind of playing out is is make it non-linear 
Um, but, you know, definitely have those sorts of, of crafted roots and environments in, in to even just like maybe connect areas yeah. a little bit. I mean, I, I would, I think what I'd love to see is, you know, I didn't mind in RCS you had the stage gating was not so much story, which I didn't like as much, but it was, you know, that the Pokedex collection. I wouldn't mind something like what they have in the current anime series. So in the anime series at the moment, Ash is basically in a, rather than normally he enters like a, you know, 32 tournament, he's in a larger scale world tournament where you register and as you battle trainers in the wild, they all have rankings and they're all registered. And, and your ranking is affected by what level are they when you beat them. Um, oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that. I actually like and, that a and, lot. And, and, you know, they, they, of course, in the anime, they stage gate it because, you know, gym leaders might be in the top 100, but then, you know, you've got gym leaders from other regions and things like that. But it's just, it, it creates a scenario where they can give you those jumps up in rank by introducing a character who's quite a bit ahead of you. But it also just probably puts a bit more of an onus on seeking out some of those battles in the wild, like with, with the NPCs, which I often try to avoid. But I've, I've been thinking about it while watching the anime that I think that would be a really nice mechanic if yeah, they that's... ever got around because it's quite just unique and nifty. Oh, yeah, that's that's a great point, actually. And I really, really do like that a whole lot. I mean, you know, again, Game Freak is is this developer who sometimes they come up with such good ideas, right, um, that it almost feels like when they don't bring those to the next generation, it feels like they're taking one step forward, two steps back in, in a yes, way. Yes, yes. Um, or maybe even like one step to the side. <laughs> um but I believe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I, I don't remember the, the precise details of this. Did you play Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee? I did, yep. Okay. There were certain challenges that you could undertake kind of late in the game where you had to fight, like, specific trainers who were a master of one Pokemon or something. Yes. Am, am I wrong? Yeah, I, I do recall. It's been a while now. I mean, I could pull up the information for yes. this. E- no, easily. It's, it's, it's e- easier for just us to vaguely guess on our memories from right, four yeah. and a half years ago. <laughs> that means that people could try to correct us on social media, which is, you know, something that people love to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, like this idea of populating the world with trainers that you actually want to seek out, mm. right? Because I, I do agree, you know, I was playing through um, Shining pearl and i was really trying to avoid a lot of encounters yep um and that's uh, (laughs) and i think i i know when we were talking about rcs you know you sort of your views on the open world and sometimes i think it was yourself sometimes it can just appear a bit empty because of you know or maybe it was myself i can't even remember anymore we're one homogenous blob but it, it just you know you just had wild pokemon you didn't have other things to engage with and i think by introducing more trainers in the wild which you know story spoilers for arceus is going to be achievable compared to arceus right um it'll it'll certainly just add some more there and you know the it can be why are these guys out there what are they doing you know they can actually use those uh, rather than them just be wearing shorts and think they're comfy and easy to wear they can be out there going hey i was looking for this or i heard about this pokemon in this region um which could be nice and yeah. I think it gives them more of a way to distill information out in the wild and to go back to the idea of like ranking too right like you could 
you could pull a, a monolith soft, right, and have like a high range trainer in the open in like the opening area. Right? Exactly, yeah, and you... I like that's why I'm really enjoying the the animes. This it's from last year or so, but I'm just been slowly watching through it. That it is that every now and again, like you know, Ash is I think ranked a thousandth or something like that. He comes across someone that is you know ranked three four hundred above him, and he just gets cocky. He's like, I can get on this. <laughs> and just you know most of the time he does well because let's face it in the anime and it's kind of nice now he is actually considered a very good trainer he just handicaps himself so i'm glad they've finally acknowledged that he's not just some stupid kid now he is basically a quasi world champion yeah that um, is that's pretty fascinating so yeah and, and i do wonder you know because i feel that the games have always heavily influenced the structure of the anime, but I wonder if it could actually be the other way around. Mm. Um, and I mean, I guess we've already kind of gotten an example of this in that weird Greninja form, right? Yes. That existed yeah. in the anime uh, that was brought over to the games. So, I mean, that's something that I'd like to see, honestly. And uh, that's a great way of putting it. I, I think well, that would be yeah. a really That's a fascinating point you just raised as well. Sorry, that the... the anime as far as i'm aware for the first time is actually running a different story than the game series yes yeah because it was even the alolan um region stuff was all quite good in the anime and that actually tra came across quite well not just having the standard gym battles but yeah where they are now with ash and his friend go is um i mean they're probably just using pokemon go it makes sense now his name is go but it's it's certainly different to the games and maybe they hopefully they will take some inspiration from there or it'll just be interesting to see do they side the anime back with the next gen game yeah and you know again even when they've said like oh we're kind of we're going to try to break away from the formula as they did in generation seven with uh, like totem pokemon and stuff yeah, yeah i still didn't feel like that was drastic enough a departure from the status quo to feel like this is uh, moving forward with the structure and so when we then got to generation eight with sword and shield i really just felt like that game was uh going through the motions a whole yeah. lot um and a lot of the structural stuff that they attempted to add just really fell flat so i mean oh, yes you know uh, again <laughs> this is extremely early speculation we're less than a weekend here so we need to see gameplay right and you know fortunately game freak well really the the pokemon company tends to kind of play by their own book <laughs> you know they don't necessarily feel that they have to you know have po pokemon presents at the same time as nintendo directs correct yeah uh, but they they do usually kind of fall in line with one another like, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe we got a trailer or some sort of gameplay demo around E3 uh, of this game. But I think uh, the Pokemon company would probably put some more information out there, too. So I'm looking forward to how consistently they kind of update things. Yeah. I mean, it's due out in what, like six, seven, eight months. So before the end of the year, right? So... Yeah. Which is funny because I last week. I'm pretty sure we were discussing, you know, the Odyssey or the week before about Xenoblade 2's time slot and what are they clearing a path for? Mm, yeah, um, well, 
that's i mean we, we assume <laughs> zelda because who, who in their right mind would assume another pokemon game yeah well definitely this coming so soon after arceus is surprising in a lot of ways and i don't know if i feel that this maybe explains <laughs> some of the uh, <laughs> some of the design choices in arceus right because you know, before that game came out, there were a lot of people saying, oh, you know, Arceus is uh, the the open world Pokemon, right? It's it's channeling mm. Breath of the Wild. And then we kind of learned uh, that's not really the case. And it's kind of got. Yeah. It, now it's like, well, was that just a prototype of their engine? Was they were they just, you know, testing the waters? Exactly. But it, it's it's such a, you know, what, nine months for a for a test window is, uh, you know, what are they changing? <laughs> I know, right, yeah, and, you know, I, I've also heard some chatter on Twitter saying, oh, you know, if they're not going to bring back the way we catch Pokemon um, in Arceus in this new game, I think it's going to be a wasted opportunity. I think given the Pokemon are all still out there in the wild, I, there's no reason not to because, I mean, you, you know, the anime, even the games, you get into a battle, you just throw a Pokeball a lot of the time, so I don't see why they wouldn't just allow that mechanic. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Um, but one other thing that I was kind of hoping from this announcement where they're kind of saying that the wild and town sort of blend seamless, seamlessly together, you know, I would love if they would really go the distance and have some like wild encounters in towns, you know, just have like the stray meowth in the back alley sifting through yep. trash or something like yep. that. I mean, it certainly looked like there was a like a battleground in the in in the main center of that town they sort of showcased so yeah. even yeah like that or even just you know running into some ruffians in the street and having to just battle them them and there yeah um, for sure could be quite nice definitely and i'm, and I'm hoping that with, with the size and scale of the world that you're you know like in Arceus, your trainer battles are more presented where they're taking place you know that this is where the battle is taking place this is where you encountered the person this is what's happening right here that Not, seems to be yeah. again based on some of the um the screenshots that seems to be the case mm. um there's that one shot of the windmills in the background um and the pikachu fighting i believe it's a larvitar and yeah that that definitely gives me that impression um and yeah i'm really hoping that's the case because with rcs it just it felt so much smoother why 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 waste our time right 100 percent, yeah um was there was there anything else in the um the pokemon i don't even think it was a pokemon direct what is it a what do they call it a pokemon Pre uh, well it was uh, pokemon presents i guess for yeah, pokemon day yes was there anything else that came up there i know a lot of it was probably just their mobile games and uh well no, no pokemon rumble announcements so we're still holding on <laughs> unfortunately um, but rather sobering, I think, uh, is maybe the realization that uh, Arceus is very much a one-trick pony. And we're not going to get a whole lot out of that otherwise. Um, you know, you look at, they announce an update, right? It's called the Daybreak Update, and it does add some new quests. It adds kind of a new sort of function to the game. And I'm not sure if you if you took a look at this at all, Nick. Um, no. So it adds these quests that are called uh, uh, something massive outbreaks, which, okay. you know, 
there were there were already outbreaks or swarms of Pokemon that you could get um, showing up in the game. Uh, but now when certain weather effects happen, they kind of pop up all over the environment. Um, and they're different outbreaks of different kinds of Pokemon. So it adds a whole lot more variety. Um, and sometimes they're the, the Pokemon that you get in there are pretty rare. And the neat yeah, thing okay. the neat thing is, um, you know, like in the first zone, you can start seeing uh, Zorua and Zoroark. Uh as, as part of one of these, which is, is pretty wild. But uh, if you catch all of the Pokemon in one of these massive outbreaks, it kind of, they just immediately sort of reset. And let's say it starts with a bunch of Zubat, right? Uh, if you catch all the Zubat, then a whole swarm of Golbat will show up. And then okay. if you do it again, then you get your Crobat. So it yeah, might, okay. be a, might be a new way of maybe catching some Pokemon that you were having a little bit of a, a hard time with or that you were looking for. I think it's also another way of maybe shiny hunting, which has become a big thing yeah. in this game. And I'm pretty sure you can also end up getting some alphas. I kind of I caught a, an alpha ponyta uh, in one of my first uh, encounters in one of these, which was a bit surprising. So it uh, they... That well, I, I should say that's one of the features of this. The other feature is some like a dedicated trainer battle sort of side quest. Now, uh, you can try to tackle these uh challenges where you have to defeat a, a, a specific encounter with a specific Pokemon, so you really need okay. to train up your Pokemon uh and, and make them very effective because you have like you know, three or four turns to try to beat this one, you know, extremely challenging battle. And then they also have a gauntlet, I think, too, which is just kind of very battle tower-y. You see how far you can go with your team. So yep. that's more content for Arceus, but oh, it's that's not, good. But it's not, yeah, what's... Yeah. It's not new stuff, though. Well, <laughs> now I'm also thinking, like, so who... What team made Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl? They they outsourced that, didn't they? They did, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's Ilka, I believe. Which they weren't really known for anything prior to this. And it really makes sense that they would be in charge of those remakes. They're not very ambitious in any way. And I know that at least portions of Game Freak's main team worked on Arceus. But... Um, I mean, I would think that we're not going to be seeing legitimate DLC from this, which surprises me. But mm. maybe maybe it's a little bit more like a Pokemon Snap sort of thing, right? Where they they added a whole bunch of new sort of functions down the line, and maybe we'll yeah. see a little bit more. I mean, I'd, I'd certainly like to see them repeat the formula again in the future for other regions. I think it could be fascinating. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, some of the, the, the Johto or Kanto regions, just to sort of see them in the past or in the future even. Um, I know if you go into the future, though, then you've probably got to introduce a bunch more Pokemon, so it's probably easy to go into the past. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I liked their change at storytelling, the pacing of what they were doing. I think I'd be happy to see it again, but maybe, you know, one year on, one year off, not six months on, six months off. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think that... Uh... And maybe this is kind of like a, oh, the pandemic's sort of winding down thing. 
where they feel that they can confidently release this stuff in this time. But yeah, I would think that they would really want to maybe do like a new generation, then a remake. Maybe Elka could do a remake, then a spinoff, you know, give themselves just a little bit of a buffer, (laughs) a little bit more of a buffer uh, in between generations. I don't know, but that's just me. Was there another piece of news that you wanted to uh, talk about? Um, yeah, I just wanted to reflect on, so the Legend of Heroes Trials from Zero um, finally had its its announcement date um, for Western audiences. So it's September 27th and, uh, for North America and September 30th for Europe. Um, what's You got any history with the, the Legend of Heroes series, Evan? Yes, I do. I... Excellent. <laughs> Uh, well, it, it, and it actually kind of has a little bit to do with my quest for this week. So maybe I'll hold off on my comments, but, uh, all I will say is that I reviewed Trails of Cold Steel 3 when it released yep, on the yep. Nintendo Switch. Cool. So I, I've, yeah, been sort of really getting into the series and I mean, that, that was the news and we may as well jump into what we're playing because the sort of one of the things I, I had down here was the, the Legends of Heroes series. Um, just more a brief discussion so I sounds good my my history in it I've never even heard of the series until about 18 months ago yeah same I, <laughs> yeah picked up Cold Steel well no sorry that's a lie I'd played Trails of the Sky uh, seven years ago I have zero recollection of it I've just loaded it up this week to validate because you know sometimes you might just leave a game open on Steam and it says you've played 31 hours I've, I've loaded up my save file. No, I'm about 30 hours into this game. I've started playing it again, Trails of Sky. I've got absolutely no recollection of anything in this game. <laughs> Having played last year through Trails of Cold Steel 3, and I'm currently just making my way through Trails of Cold Steel 4, which reintroduces a bunch of the characters from the Trails in the Sky series, the Liberal Arc, I, I thought, well, I'm going to jump back in. So I've been really sort of getting just into this universe at, at the moment you know it's been 150 hours in the space of probably three months with three and a half of four so i've just paused myself for now but this week i i sort of picked up again back on um trails in the sky because of the news that um trails from zero is coming out so timeline wise you've got essentially well let's uh, i've got some notes here evan this is this is something <laughs> I've, I've started to to ramble on about at home and i think my wife's getting sick of it so the Trails of series, for those that have maybe heard or seen, and I'm sure we've got some listeners that know it, you know, religiously. Um, but, you know, I, I'm new, so this is quite exciting. So you've got the Dragon Slayer games originally, back on like the MSX in the 80s, mm-hmm. of which the sixth and seventh games of that were labeled Dragon Slayer, The Legend of Heroes, and The Legend of Heroes 2, thus creating the first two games in The Legend of Heroes world which is itself a spin-off of the dragon slayer series now those two games i was having a look at a bit of gameplay yesterday far as i can tell fairly pretty much unremoved even gameplay mechanics all quite different then you've got i don't even want to know how to pronounce this the gaggery games which is three games pretty much completely unrelated they were like 2010 with psp or something and then you jump into the trail series which itself is then split up into the liberal arc which is trials in the sky games and they're all out on steam and it's actually a really good release got a lot of good features 
you know, quick play, updated, refreshed graphics. It all looks quite nice. Then you've got the cross. So basically, as those three games were occurring, I think it's the timeline wise towards the end of it, the crossbell arc starts, which is in another country on the same continent. And those two games, Trails from Zero and Trails to Azure, were never released outside, well, outside of, I think, Japan, Korea, and China. So there's no English version. And those are the ones that are getting released um, in English starting this year, which I'm quite excited for because then, Evan, you've got the Urbonian arc with Trails of Cold Steel 1 to 4, as well as following on from that, Trails of Reverie, which is due for a next year release, which closes off the Urbonia arc and the Crossbell arc. But of course, if we've never had the Crossbell arc in English, that wouldn't make sense. So they're now bringing these out in English using a, a fan translation as the um, the basis for their translation, which is fascinating. Um, but that's that's my rant on uh, the complexities of that. And we won't even get into which characters are coming from what games into what, because I did that once at home with a chalkboard and a couple of glasses of bourbon, and it was uh, quite the night. But yes, I digress. I'll calm down now, Evan. Fill me in. Uh, <laughs> what do you know? Oh, God. Well... <laughs> Here's what I will say. Reviewing Trails of Cold Steel 3 was probably one of the most miserable experiences I've ever had as a video game reviewer, period. And there's obviously a number of reasons for that. What really blows my mind, though, is that for some reason or another, they thought that it was a good idea to start the switch off with this game. And I, I understand... But Evan, they gave you 300 pages of text explaining the history and the background of the continent and the world. Did you not read the 300,000 pages of text? Oh, no. <laughs> well, you're talking about the actual, like, legitimate... Um, the, like... the built-into-the-game recap that they've got in there. Which is absolutely intense. It's just, oh my god. Oh, it was, uh, pardon my French, fucking crazy. I felt like I was going... I, <laughs> I'd never seen anything like it. I, oh my god, yep. <laughs> well, funnily enough, I now have seen something else like it done way better, but we'll cross that bridge when we get into our quests. Um, but yeah, oh my god, it was awful, and... Again, just playing the game and seeing ugh, seeing all of these characters just show up every five hours or so and have something to say. And every single person's got something they need to say because yes. they're referencing something else that's happened in the series at some point. Listen, if you are a longtime Sorry, fan... Sorry, Evan, of I need to correct you there. All they're doing in Game 3 is referencing things that have happened in the Urbonian arc. Right. Not the whole series. I get to that because have you played number four? Yeah. Oh, no, I haven't. Because <laughs> number four starts introducing characters from the other arcs. I and that, that's that's when I just hit the chalkboard and I was like, I've, I've got no clue what is going on now. This right. Is... Right. Yes. So, Sorry, go on. Go on. But again, like if you are someone who has played this series, if you're someone who has followed this series, right? you can 
you can be the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he points at the television screen every single time a character shows up, right? But for someone who is a newcomer to the series, that was probably the worst possible entry point um, for for this series that, that, that I could have possibly had. Um, and it only... F- <laughs> it, it just magnified every bad element of this game series i think to me which is i found the combat to be extremely obtuse and not very fun i found the dialogue to be extremely overwrought and kind of embarrassing at points oh this yeah there's so much dialogue and no i completely agree the combat thank god for the uh auto combat and the uh ultra fast speed time because it got me through all that yeah but again like don't get me wrong i respect that it is a universe it really is you know there is there is geography that is referenced in across multiple games and i think that for me is why i'm absolutely loving myself here so i exactly the same boat as you evan i started with number three i had zero context i've jumped in I didn't mind it as a jumping in point because the first 20 or so hours were purely about the school setting and introducing these characters. Now, I get from after that point, once you start introducing the original Class 7 from the first two games, I was stopping and Googling who the hell is this, what's their relation. But by the end of it all, I was very comfortable with who who they were and didn't feel I needed to know their background other than that person graduated now they work in you know the the military whatever or they're now a priest or whatever it might be but it was extremely overwhelming for the first 60 70 hours but that's also the issue because yeah they're referencing a lot of characters and they're referencing a lot of history to these characters but again <laughs> the history that they're referencing is over the course of two 120 hour long games yes, right yeah so when we are entering into uh these characters they're fully formed but again the first 20 to 40 hours of cold steel 3 uh, like i felt no character development because they were mm. so obsessed with just kind of reintroducing old characters and even the new ones that showed up they just kind of felt flat to me and again i think other than your main like three or four students within your class i yeah i don't really feel an association with the rest of that class the the new class seven other than you know what's kurt um altina um fuck i forget the name mule muse but yeah those four the rest of them are just forgettable as opposed to what you're seeing from the first two games which is here's a raft of 25 people that all seem fully fleshed out Right. So it does seem odd. And again, I get that these characters become even more fleshed out in Cold Steel 4, but you did nothing for me <laughs> to get me to that point. So It's funny, and what I've found going back to Trails in the Sky in the last week, because I, a lot of the mechanics in Cold Steel 3 are never explained, or if they are, it's being explained at the same time you're being introduced to 3,000 characters. So you're going to miss a few things. Whereas stepping back to Trails of Cold Steel 3, it's so quaint and I'm kind of enjoying, you know, they're explaining how does the Sephith system work? How does the, um, you know, the, uh, the uh, just the magic system work, but like in a way of, hey, there's nothing else going on now. 
we may as well explain this clearly, slowly, and give you some examples so that you can build these things, set them yourselves, which I definitely feel number three from a mechanic and a story perspective is not a great place to start because you've got so much going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, good. But yeah, that that's like one of the main things I've been doing this week was just jumping. I jumped back into number four because it's just on my back backlog of I will finish this at some point. But then seeing the news that, um, sorry, that, yeah, Trails of Zero has a date now, it was kind of, oh, shit, I need to go and, well, first I need to finish, well, I need to, because I, I get the feeling that to play the Crossbell arc, it's beneficial to have played Trails in the Sky because it just provides a bit more context. And I am finding the context from Trails in the Sky regarding um, the Braces Guild, like the... Um, or just sort of the, what would you describe them? The the fighters for hire. I know there's a word for that. I can't remember it. I'm blanking. But Mercenaries? Yes, yes, the mercenaries. <laughs> so like the idea that you are now one of those and just getting a bit more context as to how they work, how they report their cases, also is flooding back to Trails of Cold Steel with regards to, you know, the quest logs and all that kind of stuff. Like there's a basis for why it is the way it is. And I'm finding that quite interesting. But yeah, I think at this point, if you're going to try and jump into this series, uh, good luck. You put yourself aside at least 200 hours to make, play through one of these games in detail so you can get an understanding and then work out where you want to go from there. I mean, it, you know, again... <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm deep diving into the Wikipedia now and I'm... I'm terrified of what i'm seeing oh don't don't i i feel like you know uh trails into reverie like maybe would be the right place to jump into this just because it's the start of a new arc it's also the closing off of the two previous arcs i think after trails of reverie is another one that might be the starting point point or this is like a middle ground but it's also weird because they come out like three years before in japan so there's already like two new more games out in japan that don't even have an english title so it's just yeah well there's i know there's at least one sorry so trails of reverie got its english title the next one is already out in japan and does not have an english title yet (laughs) shit Yeah, th- I mean, like, to me, the Trail series is, is like, the antithesis. It is the, <laughs> it is the Omega to, like, Ys's Alpha, which is just like, hey, let's just give you a really straightforward yep. action RPG experience. Yep. Here's and- number one, here's number two. The only things we carry over are, that's probably the same guy, but, you know, he's got a friend <laughs> that comes with him and that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I, I don't, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm just looking, so you've got yep. the Legend of Heroes Kuro no Kuseki came out last year, which is the first part of the Calvert arc, which is the new arc. So that comes after Trails into Revere, Rever- Reverie. And right, then you've right, got right. No, Kuro yeah, no Kuseki that... 2 Crimson Sin coming out this year. Right, yeah, and that's the one. Um... Oh, 100%. I think if any of this ramblings sounds fascinating you're probably better off jumping in there if you're not 
able to jump in on you know cold steel one but they all are all on steam as well so they're not they're not inaccessible which is good yeah i thought uh i thought this one uh kurono uh kesaki i i i'm fairly certain kesaki is is the term that a lot of people in the fan base use uh for 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 just these yeah i think that that's almost like the cold steel equivalent you know is the kesaki Um, oh sorry the the heroes of it's it's basically the the overarching term right and then the the kuro no part i think is the new yeah it's and that's why it gets confusing when these games are announced because a lot of the time the places that they're discussed are very staunch fan bases that will also just refer to the past titles in their japanese titles yeah Mm -hmm. so you're sitting there going wait okay how does this which one like just there's an english title it's an official title maybe just put it in brackets and also you know eh. yeah but i also saw that uh, kuro no uh, keseki has action combat too or just like very rudimentary action combat yes and... yes which i'm kind of uh, I, I don't really like action combat so we'll see how we go it looks nice though i was watching some trailers this morning yeah it does so. look nice too I, I thought it was supposed to be coming out on switch but uh maybe not i don't know as of right now it's only on playstation ps yeah they they sometimes they can do an odd thing where it might come out on switch when the english translation is ready yeah publishing rights or who knows yeah but uh yeah i mean listen this this series is beyond me but what i will say nick uh is that you jumping into the lore or the universe of a game is very similar to what i was doing this week in terms of new Do games tell. that I've been playing. So I decided, you know, I played through uh, Nino Kuni 2 uh, with my girlfriend, kind of just uh, backseat of viewing the plot. Yep. And I figured I'd try to maybe step it up a notch <laughs> and uh, hit her with something a little bit uh, meatier. <laughs> so... I decided to boot up uh, in preparation for the third installment later this year, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Excellent. And, uh, I mean, when I first picked this up, I pretty much went straight for Future Connected uh, material because I'd already played this game back when it came out on the Wii. Um, And I probably, now that I own a new 3DS, I think I might just want to buy the new 3DS version for for novelty's sake. Why? Why would you do that to yourself? Because it's (laughs) such a big game. Uh, Yeah, I I think I ended up picking up (laughs) Fire Emblem Warriors on the 3DS because I saw it on really cheap at some point. Uh, I don't plan on ever touching that. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, just like the novelty of having an RPG that's that freaking big (laughs) yeah i I also before you get into it just want to add when i read the show notes this morning i just mentally read that as xenoblade chronicles x and got excited for a discussion (laughs) so we might have to i i actually made me want to jump back into xenoblade chronicles x so i think at some point we might have to just have a good old talk about that sure and i mean i you know again because of (laughs) the wii u shop uh closure uh, I did reconnect my Wii U uh, for a variety of reasons, again, as we will talk about when I get into my quest. So I would not be surprised if I, uh, if you saw me jumping back into that game in the near future. But 
Xenoblade uh, Definitive Edition. It's 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 a weird experience, you know. Mm. Um, I think maybe again, I'm a little spoiled by X in some ways because this game is so big. It's it's huge and. X really just the sprint function was so so much of a lifesaver. Um, even two seemed to have just like better sort of fast travel um, yeah. locations. You know, like the the landmarks in in Definitive Edition are really pretty uh, far spaced apart from one another. Com- com- completely agree. Um, completely agree. And uh, you know, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, <laughs> The new character uh, models, they are not doing it for me. There's something about the charm of the original models that, um, yeah, they're weird, but they... <sighs> These ones just kind of feel generic in some ways. I mean, Ryan, just he kind of looks like a slab of meat. Mm. <laughs> it's it's very weird to me. And it, it, and it's, it's definitely strange because, again, when you're fighting against Mechon, they're just like you know very very geometric shapes right so they didn't really have to do a whole lot of work in updating those models but yep. there there really is a cleaning up of the the character models uh in, in regards to the main um party and really just the npcs in general but at the same time it's not because they they've still got like the same animations and even like the same like posture you know, they've kind of got this like weird, almost like Kingdom Heartsy sort of like yeah, like that almost hunched over sort of like yeah. arms out a bit, yeah. Uh huh. Um, and also the other thing that I find like very weirdly <laughs> just like off putting is like some of their walk animations feel like exaggerated for some reason, and I don't know if it's because of like re like putting the original animation rigs onto these new models or something, but it comes across as like, they're just adding a little bit too much swagger to their step. And yeah, it's weird. I was initially kind of, uh, not very much a fan of the remastered soundtrack, but having played for a little bit, uh, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm behind it a little bit more. Um, I have heard uh, you will know our names or you will remember our names. I forget uh, the the boss battle uh, theme. Yep, yep. Or I guess mini boss battle theme. Uh, and I actually think that that, that new version uh, works pretty well. I guess the only other thing that I would say is like, thank God that they really streamlined the quest system. Because I remember playing the original and like beating my head against the wall when I was trying to look for some materials. Um, but they really telegraphed that stuff a whole lot better uh, in this version. Um, so I think I'm at about level 20 right now. And I will be honest, yeah. too. Uh, <laughs> again, because I've already played through this game like almost nearly 100%. Like I rebuilt Colony 6 in its entirety. Wow. Yep back on the original uh, version i'm playing this on casual mode right now uh and it's really i think it's more for the purposes of having a backseat viewer uh, of the game yep and it is a it's a good backseat view it's funny after the 
um, trailer for three came out, even my wife was like, "Oh, you should play Xenoblade Two again." Yeah, exclusively because she doesn't mind watching it. Just you know the the, the environments, the the accents. It's just <laughs> it's, it, it it is a nice backseat game. Um, that was backseat series. Apologies. Um, that yeah, I think yeah, I I completely see why you've done it. It's it's just nice. There's the environments, the the scale of things. And I guess that's kind of what we would like to see out of Pokemon, you know? Yeah. That's, that that scale and, you know, imagine seeing a like an, a whale lord just jumping out of the ocean or, or something like that. Yeah, but also at the same time, too, uh, again, coming back to Definitive Edition. Mm-hmm. It really does... Uh, it, it I feel like I'm seeing the emptiness of this world and don't get me wrong i think it's a beautifully designed world you sometimes you just look at these landscapes and you look at all the texture detail that they've really packed into this game and it's it is stunning but you've got ether crystals that you can harvest from right you've got enemies that you can fight you've got landmarks you can find and that's pretty much it and i think that to either just kind of upped the density of combat i mean i really do think that um that in playing two i felt like things were a lot tighter uh in in terms of proximity to one another um but you also you had uh what those like interactive um sort of skill checks with uh blade uh skills you know, having to burn through stuff or knock down pillars and, and what have you. I I I, I feel yeah, like yeah, there was sort of a lot more world activity that you had to partake in. Yeah, and, and and yeah, I guess building of your characters to ensure that you were set up for those things as they came. It, you know, I'd completely forgotten about that aspect of it. You know, your little flying man, your access, just just to be able to interact with the environments was, which well, is interesting because it sort of shows just the progression of change like they're they're upping what's going on in that overworld quite quickly if you look from like xenoblade one to x to two well i mean i I think x is even like more dense x is yeah (laughs) um but but that's for other reasons i think they just had a yeah i I mean something about (laughs) x it's just magical yeah i mean again we we could we could probably dedicate an entire episode to talking about that game. Yeah. Um, Cause I love it so much, but you know, even salvaging points, right. You, you mm. have these places where you're interacting with the environment and um, you know, even cloud sea stuff, changing uh, certain levels of, of, of access to uh, these, these are neat additions. Um, and this is the stuff I want to see a little bit more of. I want to see more interactivity because again, uh, an open world or, you know, these, these large uh, sorts of swaths of environment, it is beautiful and it's always awe inspiring. I mean, yep. that's, it's never going to change. And I'm, I'm moving up to uh Satori. Uh, that's, that's uh, Satori swamp. Yeah. Yep bog or what have you like i'm so excited to get back there again because it's just a gorgeous place um, it is and and i think what that game does well is especially around that area just the nighttime lighting oh yeah it's just always absolutely spectacular and that's i it's almost yeah really like um 
Xenoblade in particular, this first one, they they're really like, oh, it's nighttime. Well, just because it's darker doesn't mean that things are going to be less. Have some, you know. which coincidentally, uh, just stepping back to Sword and Shield, my favorite part of that game was that nighttime town. You know, with the whole mushroom. Aesthetic. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I I haven't even thought about that, and since I've played it, but it's just come back. I might actually go watch the videos after because i remember that just being absolutely beautiful and a shame that they didn't do anything more right um, outside of that and that's the thing too when we talk about like structured content one of my favorite moments in playing that game was you go through a rock tunnel and it's got gems embedded in the walls but it's a very like intimate space that you get to travel through and yeah, there's a couple of like ambush encounters. I think you can, you know, fight like a uh, what they're uh, Rogan Roll. No, that's that's the other thing. Uh, the the weird coal uh, Pokemon are like on minecart tracks in the, in that cave. But uh, yeah, you know, like when they really put effort into designing these environments and even making them stand out a little bit more as fictional places. Right? Yes. Yeah. That's what sells it for me. I mean, um, you know, again, Uriah, uh, just as a a, a locale in uh, Xenoblade 2 is beautiful. And you almost you kind of have to go through the the windpipe section Mm. (laughs) when you're exploring that. You go through that and it's like really kind of bland. But then when you get in out into those like marshlands and there's lots of like glowing foliage and stuff, it's it's. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. But with all that said, I do think that there's just a little bit more like interactivity that they could add to these environments um, to really make this feel a little bit more like a, a world that you live and breathe in. And I think ultimately, you know, when I'm thinking of interacting with the world, I think a lot about Breath of the Wild, right? Um, they're sort of like environmental chemistry system, just the way that it existed. Yep. And- how you were hunting animals, but also, you know, blowing up rocks and... Or, or even just lighting some grass on fire and then blowing it in a direction of the bad guys. Right, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. You know, like that that stuff that adds so much more life uh, to to these, uh, these yeah. games. And I'm hoping we just see a little bit uh, more of that. Yeah, I, and, I, and I think they... I'm probably at the position with Xenoblade 3. They need to really move that forward in another step. If it's more of the same, like, two with a bit of progression, I probably might fall off. Yeah. Um, I, I love it, but I just, I want to see them keep evolving that in, in the ways they have been. And the, the funny thing, too, I think about, uh, about Xenoblade 2 is that they, I don't feel that the world was as well designed as x which again is surprising to me because you would think that they would take some of the lessons from that game and really Mm. you know implement them in but um that also does come back to the idea which i really do firmly believe uh which is that i think two was a bit of a rushed product um and you can see that in technical terms too right Mm -hmm. like when that game first came out it crashed it had lots of like ugly loading times and pop in and was just kind of a little janky. But they 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 scaled back on the, the world design, but in terms of systems, they really kind of upped the ante. And in terms of, you know, completing quests or completing affinity, 
sort of charts for your blades and stuff that's where they really like roped me in and that's yeah. that's what they they got me to keep engaging in um that really yeah. Well, that's thing, like looking at it, I did, it's it's been five years. Or by the time this comes out, it'll have been five <laughs> I know. years. Yes, I know. <laughs> it, it doesn't seem that long. Like it seems a lot quicker. And yes, Xenoblade One, you know, definitive edition. I mean, heck, that only came out not long ago. But I don't imagine that would have taken too much of their resource away that they couldn't have been focused on this for all of this time, um, or at least sure. you know have the core development unit focused and then build up around that. Yeah, and again, I mean, like, I understand that um, Monolith has, again, contributed staff, and they've also contributed just, like, proprietary software, or even, like, proprietary engines. You know, Breath of the Wild wouldn't exist if it weren't for Xenoblade X. You can just, you can see that game's, (laughs) you can see Monolith right all over that game, Um, and... So I, I think, you know, a, a lot of like what they were doing was probably finishing off X and maybe helping out with Breath of the Wild. And then they well, were... well, that's the thing. Looking at it, you had Xenoblade at Chronicles X and Chronicles 2 were only two years apart. It, right. it seems like that seems like such a much larger gap than the five years we've had now. I know. And so that's really why I'm hoping this this next one is very special. And it does raise some other questions, too, if you don't mind indulging me for just a second, right? Because you do say it's been five years between two and three, but it's also been five years between a game that's not an RPG and what we're hoping maybe will release this year, right? Super Which... Mario Odyssey? <laughs> uh... Arms? Are we talking about <laughs> Arms 2? Are we ready for that? Uh, well, you know, to go back to what we were saying before, right? When we were speculating, oh, what are we leaving open uh, for the yep, holiday yep. season, right? I think, uh, <laughs> I think that Pokemon coming out this year definitely does give me pause in terms of okay, Zelda going to come out this year as well. Yep. Um, and I think it's more just you know. I think their sales will cannibalize one another. I, 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 maybe not. You know, I think Pokemon's going to sell no matter what. But I think, I think that, you, you need at least two months between them. Yeah, you need you need to give Pokemon its time. And you also need to give Zelda the launch that it deserves, too. Um, or, or at least you need to give it the attention it deserves, right? You need to make it feel like this is the big game. But... Again, to to go back to your or well to go back to just what we've been saying, right? I, I'm talking about, oh wow, Breath of the Wild feels much more alive than Xenoblade Two because of what it's got going on. Mm-hmm. But that was five years ago. I'm really curious as to yep. what they can add to this next Zelda game to make it even more than just a sequel, because to me. You know, saying that this is going to be a sequel to Breath of the Wild, you kind of you have the understanding in your head, right, that this is building off of what was established there. And I, I don't know, you know, can can it receive the, the same amount of acclaim and hype that yeah. Breath of the Wild did five years ago if it just does more of the same? Well, it's interesting because I think 
for the last five years, you know, every open world game or anything that comes out is always like, oh, this is, you know, evolved on. But for the first time with Elden Ring, I'm actually hearing this is it. This is now the next iteration of what these should be or how this should handle itself. I'm not hearing, oh, this has evolved. I'm hearing this is now the new gold standard. Yeah. Which I, great. But can, yeah, you're right. Where, where do they step to in that transition? Because to me, again, I think that Elden Ring is not necessarily like an open world. I think it's just a big Dark Souls world. And I mean, at least that's what I've been hearing from a lot of people. Because they are talking about finding caves and, and finding kind of places off the beaten yes, path yes, that, yes. Are, that are extensive. And what I will say is Breath of the Wild 2 better have some caves in it. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, was... I, I think yeah i i want more hey what's this bam i'm lost in there for for an hour or two exploring because i think that's one thing about that world like don't get me wrong exploring climbing all over the place and stuff very rewarding but there's no subterranean action and i think that really when you think about zelda the sort of like dual world mechanic has always been a huge sort of element to yep. that, right? So I would think that they would want to add in some sort of like other world. And, you know, again, based on what we've seen, I think they're definitely sending it skyward, uh, you know, no pun intended, right? Um, but I think it also needs to happen. But, but it's funny, too. but then because the original trailer was underground. I know. <laughs> so <laughs> right? it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. So, it, but I, I I digress. I've seen the time, Evan. We should uh we should keep moving. Okay, um, all right. <laughs> sure. Um, I I very quick one. Um, we downloaded the Kirby demo last night. Yeah, it was great. Uh, absolutely delightful. I I didn't. Did you check out co-op at all? I didn't get a chance, but I, I watched a video or two, and it looks very solid. Yeah, I I would assume it would be. I mean, again, I don't think that this is a game that's uh that is pushing the Switch to its extremes. What I will say, though, is a lot of the stuff in the trailer at the end of the demo <laughs> looked way more exciting than the uh, stuff that was in well, the demo itself. A, a lot of the, as well, a lot of the stuff from the trailer, I want to say 70% of the, oh, what's that, was all happening in the first, you know, half an hour of the demo. Yeah. Um, it was yeah. all quite, yeah, so that was interesting. Yeah, so I, I'm curious. I, I, I'm almost a little bit more engaged by, like, the amount of story that seems to be happening in this game. Because that's not normally what I sign up for with a Kirby game. But, uh, yeah, it was cute. Yeah, I, I certainly got a vibe of, hey, this is very, you know, this is the opening. Something is going to change here. There is going to be, a, you know, some, it's going to open up or do something. But, yeah, I just thought worth mentioning because didn't, you didn't know the demo's out. It's quite good. I'm looking forward to that at the end of the month. Yeah. I, something nice. I also downloaded the demo for... Uh, potato flowers in full bloom <laughs> yeah okay uh, i didn't get to play it though so i'll give you impressions of that probably next week excellent but what about any anything else you've been playing you want to touch on my something else i think it is best covered in our quests so why don't we get excellent into should we yeah i'm i mean i'm happy to start so where did we land last time i had the most difficult slash a very hard final boss in an rpg now, two mistakes here, Evan. Two mistakes. One, I forgot to read the word final boss in an RPG, but as you and I discussed before, 
hey, if you turn the game off after you beat the boss, it's the final boss, so that's great. Second problem, I play a lot of games on easy, as we've discussed before, so I don't often encounter these issues. Yeah. Um, also, you know, I pulled up a lot of lists of, you know, most difficult bosses, blah, blah. A lot of them were older RPGs that I've, you know, like Chrono Trigger, things I have played, but it's been long enough that I've got absolutely no recollection of, you know, those particular bosses. So I, one that stood out to me though, that I, looking back at it, I don't think I ever really finished this game. I think I've mentioned before that I've played it by downloading, you know, some English ROM hacks when I was about 10 and that is Pokemon Gold. Okay. In, in particular, Whitney's Miltank is the, uh, the, <laughs> the, the which, final you know, boss. Well, you know, I'm looking through these lists and it's always coming up and I'm like, okay, let's, let's try this. It's the third gym. It's not going to take, you know, more than an hour or, you know, two, three hours at most to jump in there and, and get to that, that battle and understand, was it really as difficult as, and, and a lot of this, I would assume is written on the basis that when these games came out, a lot of the people talking about it now were children. So I did nothing special i i started off with my totodile i you know i played as a kid i didn't swap my pokemon out i just used totodile who evolved into my croconaw i just spammed the a button all the time nothing fancy got up to the third boss and got to whitney and got to the miltank and i would not call it difficult evan i would call it more difficult than every other battle i'd had in the game it was the first time i had to use a potion <laughs> yeah but that was it and i kind of left disappointed you know i was reading online it's like oh you've got to you know the strategy the problem with it is uses the rollout followed by the milk it's the healing i was just using bite which did about 20 23 damage to it did that four times she healed once i used a potion i did it another three times got a critical hit and she died so I kind of left myself disappointed there. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that, that, that's really it. That's all I have to say on that quest. And I am, I actually did load up um, Pokemon Red as well, because I remember struggling a lot more with that on just the first gym battle. You know, you started with the Charmander and you come against Brock. And at that point, you've got no steel moves. You've got no steel tail in the originals. So I just thought, you know, I'm looking at all these lists and, Whitney's Miltank was in 70% of the lists as the, you know, 15 hardest RPG boss battles. And I really don't understand why. I mean, I think to me, it's the perfect example of a filtering moment. <laughs> um, uh, yes. Yeah. You had to like, yeah, like I said, I had to stop and think for the first time that game. Right. Cause you can like up to that point, And again, they don't really present, especially in those first couple of uh, gym battles, they don't present any Pokemon that are tanky, right? No, no, uh, they do not. It's pretty much one one hit will take off 75% of the, you know, the health for any battle. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's the first time that you are made to think. Um, and it's, it's also the first time where if you are not going in with a type advantage of any sort, you are Correct. probably going to be caught off guard, right? So, Correct. And like I said, I was, I mean, it doesn't help. I've probably got several thousand hours of Pokemon background there, 
but I didn't feel I had to use anything. Um, and you know, I was, I'd, I'd kept Leer on my Croconaw. I'm like, I'm going to keep that there just in case, you know, I might have to actually lower the defenses, lower the offenses, do some stuff like that. But no, um, but I, I mean, like you said, it's the change that is presented up until that point. It's fairly straightforward. And, and if your mind, especially at this point, it's, you know what, you've maybe spent 60 hours playing Pokemon Red two years earlier and that's it. So, you know, you at this point, you're still early on, two, three hours in, you just bash an A, trying things out. Maybe you are trying to level up the new Pokemon because you're excited to see what they look like and you come in there slightly underleveled and it's going to absolutely destroy you. Well, and you know, it's funny too because normal typing is... It's something that kind of like was or has been dismissed for a while just because it's it's you know you think of normal typing you think of how it doesn't work against ghost types and it gets clobbered by fighting types and if you I mean if you you don't have really any fighting uh, types early on in that game but I think a lot of people probably would go from gen one you know red uh, blue and yellow and say oh you know like i have all of the uh, this access to these pokemon yep. so that normal pokemon are are kind of silly um when you are encountered with a gym leader who's utilizing that it kind of lulls you into a false sense of security in some ways mm. i mean that pokemon does too right but also you think about rollout that's not a normal type move but no. it, it can be strong especially if you just keep committing to it, right? So there's some surprising stuff about that. Yeah. In well, it's interesting you say it because yeah, you don't normally have that that normal type being at the top of the peak. And the only game I can think that it really does is Pokemon Go, where especially early on, your Snorlax was the best defender at gyms. Later on, your Slacking became the best. Like it's probably the only game where the the normal pokemon have really been at the top tier of this is who you want in your party right yeah so i mean i can understand why it catches you know so many people off guard in some ways yep i I think reflecting on it now it would not catch anyone off guard but i can see you know late 90s early 2000s this is a new not just pokemon but you know jrpgs to the western audience uh, it, a, a lot of this is new and i can certainly see when you you know several hours in of maybe hey this is quite cruisy good i can shuffle my pokemon around i can i can explore a bit more i can try other things yeah. and then coming in if i think yeah if i was two two levels down or something i definitely would have uh struggled but yeah interesting one but I, I, yeah. One last thing too that I'd say is right before this is a bug gym, right? And they're kind of known for being like Correct. very papery. So you could, you know, hypothetically kind of roll over um, the bug gym, if, especially if you have a good rock move, right? Yep. So you might even come into that next gym battle a little underleveled. So I really think it's just kind of the game maybe uh, Yeah, I, I think that's that's probably where it happened. And like I said, I did not even use another Pokemon up till that point. I'm sure if I did and dropped a level or two, it probably would have hit me a lot harder. Yeah. But yeah, no, I just thought interesting one because always on those lists. And 
Yeah, it's probably more a reflection on the time or, you know, things like that than actually being difficult, which was quite interesting. Yes, I think it traumatized a lot of people. <laughs> yes, yes. But yes, that that was a nice simple one this week for me. I think that was really the only thing I could think of that was worth ha- having a quick look into. But what about yourself, Evan? Where where did you take yourself? Did you take yourself where I hope you took yourself? Uh you would be correct in saying that now to excellent because i will also add i also took myself there this week <laughs> oh, and really? that's where I'll... yes <laughs> okay well uh yeah let's get into it so right after we finished recording our last episode i went on to ebay and i purchased myself a physical copy of uh, mass effect 3 uh legendary edition i think it's what it's called i don't, I don't know um for the wii u uh, and I went and specifically got a used copy of this because I don't care. <laughs> um, I didn't Fair care point. enough. I, I didn't care enough to go onto the eShop and pay whatever e, uh, EA was pricing this game at. On no, the, it's what what quick and dirty right manner can I get this game in my grubby little hands? Right, um, and they are grubby. Uh, but obviously, uh, as a result, you know payment processing, shipping to me. I got this game today. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) So when I say I logged a good, I would say two hours into it, that is, that's my extent of playing Mass Effect 3. I'm okay with that because I think by that point you should get to a point where it just starts to open up based on what I saw through the week, depending on how much time you're taking and that kind of stuff. But yes, go on. Well, so you have to understand that, first off, relating back to uh, Trails of Cold Steel 3, this is the third installment in a trilogy, right? And so the way that Trails of Cold Cold Steel uh, pulled this off was give me copious amounts of text to read through um, and divide games up into smaller parts, Uh, (laughs) which was a lot. on the flip side, what this game does is it allows you to play an interactive comic to go through the plots of Mass yes. Effect 1 and 2. You know, 2. I, I've never actually gone through this because for myself I play it, so I'm yeah, keen to hear about this. And I would say, I mean, all, all things said, I have looked at uh, reviews of the Mass Effect trilogy. Um, you know, I've heard plot summaries of this story before, so yep. I, I wasn't going in necessarily blind, but being able to be told this story um, and to very clearly kind of see where the uh, the installments of the game start and end, um, mm-hmm. and also the important choices that were made uh, during those games um, was nice. Uh, it was a nice little recap. It was... Yep dramatic you know i got to i truly did get to interact with some stuff i got to kind of choose where i perhaps was having romances uh or not uh whether or not i was killing certain people whether or not i was uh instating certain characters as military leaders um yep and i kind of like really at the start of this game i got to see a lot of those choices and their effects uh, appear in in the story as it was unfolding. Um, so that was rewarding. Um, and 
but here's what I will say, okay? Mm. I get told this very grandiose story about defeating Reapers, about uh, kind of, you know, going on the suicide mission and all this stuff and meeting these characters and and having had two triumphs and then Mass Effect 3 starts. And yes. The Reaper invasion of Earth just seems so like out of nowhere like these people are completely caught off guard by this thing that to me they should have a much better understanding of if not only because shepherd exists and it it, it is very and maybe this didn't come across but there's a real underlying theme through the games of think basically climate change no one giving a shit like you know that there there are political implications to actually being concerned with that matter so we would rather just not and i think that's probably forms a large part of that lack of preparation and so if that is the case then it's not very well telegraphed through the interactive comic yep yep um and i think that's kind of a failing because even the intro of this game, you kind of go into this briefing and people are like, well, what do we do? And you're like, well, we've got to survive. And they're like, okay, so what's our plan going to be? Oh, wait, it's right here. We're all dead. <laughs> and yes. it's jarring. It's uh, it's a surprising start to a game. There's very clear high stakes going on here. Um, I mean, here's and, what I will and say. A, and a dead little kid. And a dead little kid. Oh, how that kid died. Um, yeah, that was a little... I don't know if, if I, I... On one hand, I can respect them for yeah. not going the, oh, the kid gets saved and there's hope for the yep. future. <laughs> um, but, yep. yeah, I don't know. Um, so I'm on Mars right now. Yeah, okay. Uh, All right. And so I, I guess I what I would say is I don't think I've opened things up. No, quite, no, quite I know. So I, I like I said I picked it up during the week as well. I, I have the 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 remaster, but I decided I actually jumped back on number three on the PC as well, just in case. I know there's a lot of gameplay improvements or things like that. Mm. Wanted to make sure I was seeing it through the eyes of yourself. Uh, after after Mars, you head straight to the Citadel. And from the Citadel, you know, a couple of little conversations here or there, you're pretty much, here's your ship, go out. So you're you're within like 45 minutes of okay. just being able to sort of, you know, dive into the codex, into, you know, walking around, meeting alien races, just seeing people living their lives on the uh, Citadel, that kind of stuff. But again, the thing to me is like, that's kind of surprising about that is... I am shown this like very apocalyptic event that seems to take a whole lot of priority. And it kind of makes me assume that this is going to be a very uh, forward momentum sort of plot. Yeah. Um, and if things are going to open up after this and I'm kind of going to get to do whatever it is that I want, uh, that kind of, that surprises me a little bit. Um, oh yeah. I can't quite recall, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it does all catch up quite quickly. I mean, the whole thing being that the Citadel is a bazillion light years away. It's effectively the, the span of the galaxy, I think they give you as the map. Um, or at least, you know, like two thirds of it or something like that. So you, you, I, I always just put that down to 
a the politics of it all and b the lack the communication between species yeah well that's the the other surprising thing to me too is that it seems like in the previous two games there's a lot more interaction between alien races and it just feels like earth is very isolated at the start of this this game yeah earth so earth is seen as essentially the bratty rich kid that's been invited along so a lot of the other so you as shepherd get involved with a lot of these species because of whom you are and what you're doing because you're a representative of the council so the actual not the human council but the alien council whereas humanity itself is seen as hang on how come you're like the fourth ranking uh, alien species on our entire federation you've only been here for 30 40 years and it pretty much all boils down to the fact that there's billions of humans as opposed to some of the other races so there is a lot of contention politically between the races and i get that will not come across in the comics yeah and so again you know like i definitely feel like i'm being brought up to speed with a lot of this stuff and i'm hoping that going to the citadel really does kind of color this universe to me because i've heard from a lot of people that the universe this is a this there's a reason this series that this property is so beloved by people which Mm. is that it's an authentic sci-fi universe that a lot of people could really get behind. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get into that. Yeah. And I'm so like, I'm only like maybe 30, 40 minutes ahead of you. I'm on the Citadel. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in as well this week and just get out of that Citadel onto the next phase and, and get an understanding of what is there. So, you know, if you do get there, at least you've, you know, I can, I can talk to all the other bits that you maybe didn't see. Because, you know, you pretty much just given, hey, where do you want to go? Yeah, and so what I will... Whether, whether it's as open as that, because I know number one specifically was, here's one or two or three worlds you should go to. Yeah. Three, I can't really recall how it how it presents the options to you straight away. So, again, what I will say is I, I'm, you know, based on what I'm, I'm telling you right now... Yep. I will say this game, as... as an entry point into this series. I don't think it's doing a whole lot for me. I also, I I also think um, I'm going to be like completely honest with you. And, you know, maybe I haven't seen enough of the game yet to really make any sort of valid judgment call about this, but the combat is uh, extremely bland. I am not engaged in it at all. You at this point will have, what, what character class did you go with? Uh, yeah, I went with um, aggressive, in-your-face, close-the-gap sort of character who uh, can really, like, melee and... Yeah, uh, so you probably have a lot more focus on weapons and, and skills like overcharging and things like that. It, it once... And this is where I think it, the combat does evolve in a nice way that as you unlock more skills, as you're cycling in your party members who are, you know, hackers or using magic effectively and then sh- using their skills in combination with yours because you can shortcut them you do start to evolve that but it, yeah the first hour or two is pretty much i've got a gun yeah and, and uh, yeah that's not doing it for me <laughs> i need no, a little bit more completely than that. get so my my character class for instance at the moment i i can't remember what i selected but my two skills i've got are basically a, a fireball that yeah. i can shoot out which is nice and a combat drone right yeah so and- 
yeah what i will say is the description of a lot of the classes uh did pique my interest uh, that there does seem to be a, a decent amount of variety and because i was kind of a little worried about uh this game playing a little bit too shootery for my tastes yep. i wanted yep. to try to experiment with melee and and closing that gap and what that looks like uh so again i do think it's a little too early for me to to make a judgment call about that but uh the gunplay is is not very inspiring to me yeah I, and that that is one of the things they did improve in the the remasters recently because you are locked down i think specifically in two maybe in three partly but to what weapons you're allowed to use based on the class you selected yeah so if you're a more tech-based class you might not be able to use a shotgun or use a rifle or anything like that you might just be stuck with pistols and a basic um rifle but with three they've basically on you can use them you just won't be as good you won't get the skills and the perks um, yeah i'm a little curious with, too about this equipment system because i picked up a sniper rifle because they told me to pick up a sniper rifle yep and then i dropped another one of my weapons and yeah i completely forgotten about this setup and it is a bit confusing the first two or three times i was using it with the loadout yeah so i can't access that unless i have new weapons right in front of me is yeah so once you get to having your ship because then when you're preparing to land or things like that you'll go to your lockers and you can load out take select what weapons you're having with you and what what i'm assuming is that this game is very mission oriented right like the combat that you're taking part in is very much part of a linear sort of narrative um, um it, it yeah once you get on the path to a story beat it can be but it is certainly like a case of which story beat do you want to be taking because then that can impact if i'm taking this one first i won't have this other character that i would have got here so i will actually miss out on some options and some dialogue and some activities okay <laughs> but uh, i mean yeah it, it just seems like this is going to be a very mission-based game and the way that I build my character is going to factor into how I approach the skirmishes within those missions. It, it, yeah, it certainly will. And I think as you do evolve that, like I said, with, with me at the combat drone at the moment, I'm just pumping all my skills into that because I pretty much just get to a section, launch a combat drone, and then kind of just sit back a little bit and read the internet on my phone. Um, so like that you can certainly control how that combat works if it's not in, in your you know if it's not what you're looking for you can certainly shape up and and change and you know if you don't have the right character type you've got your your squad mates you can sub in to to use their abilities to do that okay but no i i appreciate you giving it a go evan well and i say I, I, is I, at least give it that extra half hour or so uh, um but yeah yeah, and I'm I I definitely am not going to be giving up on this game. Um, I want to, and it'll probably be it'll be the focus of what I would say. I mean, honestly, I could see this being the focus of the next couple of episodes for me um, because I do want to give it a a, a decent try. Um, with that being said, I will be playing some other stuff too, just for the purposes of you know Switch RPG reviews and my girlfriend <laughs> but uh yeah so far what i will say is i i am definitely feeling that there is something here in terms of why people love this universe so much yeah. have you looked into even just i know at this point you should have in your menu like some of the codex 
with regards to overviews of all the alien races and things like that uh i have some understanding of some of the alien races and yes i know that there is a codex i'm a little yes, daunted you have a nice couple of parag- yeah that that's the thing it's kind of more you run into an interesting character of a species hey let's get a bit of context as to who this person is yeah. as opposed to just sitting there and <laughs> drilling through all the text yeah yeah which is most of it is narrated which is nice i get that yeah which uh i'll, I'll definitely if i mean i i like that idea um but i i don't want this to become a game that i'm doing homework on <laughs> yes yeah and no and i'm i'm yeah it's good to hear about the the opening sort of comic as well i might how, how long did that go for roughly oh i mean it uh i would say no longer than 20 minutes yeah okay i might um, i might have a look and just sort of see what what because i imagine most of the story beats are all in there you know even from the first game you've got do you what save or kill the uh the the rachni yep. is that in there yeah yeah yep so all, all that stuff and it is good because all that stuff certainly does come up in this game so yeah it's it's yeah that's cool yeah and a part of me i don't know i kind of again as a big xenoblade x fanboy uh which portrays mm. humans as the scum of the universe <laughs> yep i kind of wanted to go as an irredeemable asshole uh in this game yeah but uh some of the choices i've made already uh have maybe yeah and knocked me off i will say don't judge the franchise on that uh james the macho crew member i really despise him <laughs> okay. and like just compared to i think some of the characters in especially game two where you have a lot of scientists in your in your mix yeah. like there's a hell of a lot more sort of uh, i guess humor there's a musical number like there's a lot more going on there than just <laughs> he's sort of that like i said you know that viewpoint of that's what the humans are seen of in the galaxy yeah uh well and the last thing that i'll say too is uh aesthetically this game's ugly um at least the wii u version is it's an ugly game and yeah the, the pc version looks okay but i could certainly see some uh, some problems around the edges and the um the armor for the humans is i mean it's like spartan-esque i guess but not even as iconic as that uh, armor yeah. set is it's really rather bland and uh on one hand i can i think that there's a, a degree of realism to uh to the way the armor is designed but on the other it's not doing much for me uh from the visual standpoint yeah, yeah so that's that's, that's what i've got to say about that i think we should move on to our quests and there's kind of a a a, a toss-up to be to yeah. be presented here which is i have reached quest number 55 which means i could r- restart the quest board um or i could just uh, kind of hang around and wait uh, yeah that's the thing like i was kind of you know i'm i'm no more than hopefully two two rolls away from the end as well so i it wouldn't you know then then at least gives us a chance after to if we want to shake up the order of some of the early quests or anything like that um you know future's still early on as well we could all sort of realign I, yeah you know to be 
yeah, may, maybe your homework can be to, to to come up with some ideas, Evan. Right. Well, um, and mm. uh, you know, again, this being a boss battle, maybe it takes me more than one episode, yeah. uh, more than one turn to complete, if you catch my drift. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then, then you know, you'd be nice to not have some homework for a while. I'm sure. Just. Oh, I'll still have homework. <laughs> I'll still be playing this game. But Nick, do you want to roll uh, to see where you're headed next? Certainly. Now, I do have to apologize to the listeners because of how I now have my desk set up. I have a full length mouse mat, so we're never going to pick up the dice rolling sound effects. And I know that's upsetting. Oh, darn. So so maybe, maybe we'll splice some in. Who knows? But I shall roll. And I've rolled a six. I've rolled an Evan number. One, two, three, four, five, six. A frustrating RPG. Oh, okay. Well, uh, now, there's you, many you ways that. in which you... Yeah, for sure. Be frustrating. For sure. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this. Uh, and yeah, I think I'm just going to, again, uh, hold hold off, keep fighting my boss, uh, keep at Ma- Mass Effect. So I'll definitely have some more impressions of that uh, in the near future. Nick, is there anything that you want to do with with this? Do you want to alchemize this quest in any way? Well, I, I almost could merge ours together and then make myself play Mass Effect Andromeda, but I'm not <laughs> that mean. So that was so for you, Mass Effect Andromeda was the fourth game they made that effectively was a my understanding, I never even played it because I heard such bad things, was a a ship of human settlers or something that went off into the far reaches of the universe or the galaxy. Yes. So it's completely removed from the political systems that we know from the trilogy. And it's kind of a lot more human-y. Yeah. Which, yeah, that that kind of just, to me, said, well, all the elements of the game I love aren't there, so I'll... But no, I think I'll, I'll stick with a frustrating RPG. I'll spend a day or two trying to think about frustrating, because obviously it could be from a gameplay perspective, it could be just from a, a disappointment perspective. There's um, many perspectives there. Most definitely. Yeah, have, a, have a think. All right. Well, uh, with that being said, I guess we can get into our plugs. Uh, you can find us all over. Um, you can find us on Spotify, on Apple, um, on Google. You can always shoot us a message uh, if you're enjoying the show at RPG Podcast on Twitter. Um, or if you'd like to email us uh, any quest ideas uh, or just any questions that you might have, uh, you can shoot us an email at rpgpodquest at gmail.com nick where can they find you they can find me either at my home but don't do that or on twitter at rpg nick with two eyes that's right and as evan and i often lament before the show i'm still confused by twitter but i'll get there you know that's okay i've got another how many years until they shut it down i think the less you understand of twitter probably the more happy Excellent. happy you'll be happier you'll be just in in life um and you can find me at rpg s-e-b uh i have been tweeting you have been tweeting evan i i, I you, your range of subjects that you tweet about is, is impressive there's there's a whole <laughs> gamut of uh yeah i I, yeah. I do i'm all over the place uh and maybe maybe i need to curate my feed a little bit myself yeah 
Oh, also on a side note, I guess I just realized Project Triangle Strategy came out. It did. I don't, I don't, that's something that happened. I only realized that this morning. I don't think I'm going to touch it after the demo. So that's... I will not be covering that game, no. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe, it sounds like Future's into the strategy RPGs, so hopefully... Yeah, we'll Hopefully see. someone will dabble. But yeah, no, it'd be good, good to hear a bit more about that, but I don't think it's for me. Yeah, so... Yeah. We'll see what uh, other RPG releases are announced or are in the works in the next week. But until then, we will see you all when we come back from our quests. Take care, everybody.